Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We are here today with Misty Wagner, and I'm going to have a conversation about supporting without enabling for young adults, one of our favorite topics. So I can't wait to see what Misty's spin is and how it ties in with ours, and we're going to have just a really great conversation. So you can read all about Misty in the show notes. As always, uh, she comes to us through CIP. Maybe you want to explain what that is, Diane? Uh, which is an organization well, we've been partnering with. CIP, but we, yeah. But, so maybe by entry, uh, Misty, talk a little bit about your backstory. How did you get into what you're doing? And, and that'll be a way to kind of introduce CIP and what you guys do there. Beautiful. Well, um, obviously I'm Misty Wagner. I kind of came, fell into what I'm doing in a transitional program now. I was an educator, fourth grade to seniors for a while in special education, really specialized in uh, working with individuals with autism. Uh, And then I had my own kiddo that had autism. And we were moving across the country. And I thought, what is next? What Mm -hmm. is there outside of birth to five, school-based supports, where do you go afterwards? Because that support shouldn't stop when somebody ages out of high school. Right. Uh, so I was just looking at what do you, what is next and what is next in support. And I came across uh, CIP or college internship program, which so, is- Slow down, college internship program. Okay. Which is- okay. so. College Internship Program is a transitional program for young adults with autism, ADHD, or other learning differences. So really what we do is support the full person. We have everything from support with academics in college, career support, how to live on your own, cook your own meals, clean your apartment, how to work with your own executive functioning deficits, what tools could work best, um, as well as social skills. So it's just kind of looking at the full person and what supports do they need for independence. So you were a special educator and specialized in autism, had your own life experience with autism, as we all know, you know, very typical, that kind of um, creates a whole new uh, necessity of invention. Um, How did you 
like what was it about working with families of uh, these families at CIP that drew you to that as opposed to, you know, going back into another school system somewhere else? So what I love here is that we're not just focused on academics. Mm. It is so much more. And it's really working on what are what are those strengths that we see mm-hmm. with each individual and what are the deficits and how do we support the families through this? It's not just about the individual. The family plays such an integral role as the support system. Right. Yeah. yeah. So supporting versus enabling. I mean, that's that's really what you said. Let's talk about this. So what is it that parents... I don't know. It's like, do they need to hear? Do they want to hear? What? How do we launch into this? What do you want them to hear? What do you want right. them to hear? Missy <laughs> said to us, I, I know something I'd like to talk about, if that's okay. We're like, go to town, girls. So what yes. is it? So I think this is one of those things. Sometimes when we have a complex child in general, no matter the age, we know that they struggle with so many things in that day to day that we want to eliminate as parents all these barriers for them. And at what point is it helpful? And at what point is it hindering growth? Mm. And that's really something that I love to work with our parents here at CIP with, and also in support groups that I'm involved in, because I think that's something I have to be mindful of, mindful myself. parents, (laughs) Parents ask me that question all the time. It's like, my kids need help, but when am I helping too much? Yeah. So how, how do you tend to answer that? So there's always questions that I ask myself. And here's one of the big ones. Am I doing something that my own kid can do themselves, no matter the age? So right. I'll give a kind of a personal experience for myself is that um, my son is nine. And I used to feel that I needed to speak up for him at all times. That mm. can be anywhere you're at ordering dinner at a restaurant, sitting down, having him talk to the the person who is taking our order as opposed to me. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those things I just thought, he can do that. Why am I taking that away from him, that piece of independence? It's going to be uncomfortable the first few times, but he can do it. And then I look at it, you know, with our students here and the families here is, you know, we work with adults, Adults should be the driver's seats in their lives. They should be deciding, what do I want to major in? What do I see as a career as opposed to someone telling them to do it? Or this Mm -hmm. is what you should do. Or these are your strengths. So So there's, there's something here about, you know, making sure that we're setting our kids up for success by allowing them to do for themselves what they can Right. And and there is a reason that many parents in our realm are also doing more than other parents might be doing. Right. Is helping. So there's that dance, as you said, Diane, between helping and helping too much. And so I want to make sure that we're not saying they should do everything that they can do by themselves always. Right. But what we're there's something here about seeing the empowerment possibility of it. So it's not, well, because oftentimes, so what happens is parents will say, well, they should be able to do that. Well, that's probably not an empowering approach to really get them, enroll them in doing it, right? So there is something, 
there's a nuance here about the where we're coming from in this. Does that resonate for you? Oh, for sure. And I, I think that's, it's all about, and especially as a parent, you know your child best. You are the expert in your child. You may work with a ton of experts, but there is no one that knows your child better than you do. And so it's knowing you know, if someone's having a really rough day, is it that time to have them sit in another uncomfortable situation? Because it's always when you're learning, it's uncomfortable. It's it's hard. It's knowing by knowing your child when to push for that and when to pull back. Yes. Yeah. Well, and there's oh, sorry. There's a couple of things that are coming up. I'm not sure which direction to go, Misty, but one is the fact that you know, when you say they can do it themselves, right? There's sometimes that they can, and there's sometimes, and we have neurodivergent kids and sometimes they can do it. And sometimes it's hard for them to do it. And so it's a sort of, it's not just a, they can do it and assuming that they can. And then the other piece of it is that there's a process here. It's not like you're saying, okay, fine, here, go do it. Right. It's a sort of, you're, you're talking about how do I help my kid begin to own it themselves? I think if I'm getting that right. Yeah, for sure. And so when you're looking at this too, is can they do it themselves? Well, the answer may be yes, that we see that they have that skill set. They can speak for themselves. They can do these things. But um, it's just like when we're teaching a student here how to call a doctor and Mm. make their own appointment, right? Well, what if I said, you can do that? And I did nothing to pride them for it. I just said, (laughs) call you can't do that. Um, so it's priming sometimes. So uh, you're helping them get through those steps. Okay, so let's maybe write out a script. That's always a great way to do that. So what do you what do you anticipate? So you know, a lot of times when you're talking about you know a doctor's appointment because that's one of those first steps in adulthood. You're saying, hey, so I see you have an appointment that is coming up, or you need to make an appointment coming up for maybe a medication refill. So you want to see your doctor. Let's talk about that. So what would you say are the steps? And so having walking through it with them. And then when you get to, well, you're going to call and you're going to ask to make this appointment. Okay. So do you know, asking the your child, do you know when you are available for the appointment? And then having them sit down and decide that. You know, do you anticipate there being any barriers? What would make you feel uncomfortable in that conversation? Let's talk about what it may look like. Here are some questions that will be asked. What resources do you need? Do you need your insurance card? Do you need to make sure you maybe you have your birthday written down so you don't feel anxious in that moment and forget to say something? It's just walking through the process with them and priming them first before you just have them do it. I love the notion of priming the pump, right? And and really breaking it down. This is very much in line with what we talk about is, is um, tiny little steps, like being really clear on the focusing on the process, not just the outcome of calling the doctor, but what are all the steps in the process that you have to consider and anticipate and think through? Um, a lot of our kids shut down when there's too much ambiguity. So part of what you're talking about doing is getting it really clear so they know what to expect. So it doesn't feel so daunting or so overwhelming for them. Right. Yes, exactly. And, you know, with anything with a neurodiverse person, a neurotypical person, you want them to feel supported mm-hmm. in, in anything they do and in what the level of support may look like could look different for you. I love how you use the term complex 
kids is because it it is going to look different. What they need and the resources they need is different. And so it's taking away and taking maybe a different look at something and writing down even for myself. Sometimes I will write down what are the steps that are needed for this? What are the resources? And I write it out so I can see, huh, I never thought about how complex this can be for an individual. Yes. Well, or even if you're doing that handoff that we were talking about earlier, if you're doing it with them the first time or the second time, it's this sort of, then there's this uh, meta awareness of what is the process. I mean, we do some of this stuff so automatically and we don't even think about what would these steps, you know, it's like this sort of, (laughs) not only are we asking them to do it, we have this role of of maybe teaching them how to do that. And the question is, we have to understand it in order to be able to, to make it happen. Well, and I love the example of your son at the restaurant, because for some kids, that's a great, like, let me speak for myself. For some kids, like, that's a lot of steps involved with ordering for yourself at a restaurant. And they, and they may need you to break it down, mm-hmm. right? They may need to figure out what they want by themselves and have you order first and then work towards being able to ask themselves or whatever it is. Um, I know I still get my husband to order for me a lot at a restaurant. So <laughs> I'm particularly attentive to that overwhelm. Um, so there's a lot of nuance here. Let's take a quick break. And then I have a, a question I, I want to kind of throw out as a, as a case study as we come back. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. So welcome back, everybody. Our guest is Misty Wagner, and we're talking about supporting uh, complex kids, teens, and young adults without enabling them. One of our favorite topics. And the example I was just thinking about as we as as you were sharing earlier in this episode was my daughter, who's now in mid-20s in graduate school, but at the time was a teenager and had ADHD, dyslexia, and anxiety. And I remember the years of of trying to figure out when it was my job to step in and when she was taking the lead and that dance that we're talking about. And, and what I started to look at is, is it had to do with what the learning was for her in that moment. Was the execution of the task the learning or was the task supporting her in learning something else? And so I, I want to bring this out because if, I thought it was a really helpful way if, you know, I had a kid with dyslexia. If it was a writing task, then that was what she was learning if she was learning writing in some way. But if the writing was only a tool for her to learn the content or for her to capture her assignments, then maybe I could step in and and scribe some of that for her to relieve the pressure from that piece so that she could focus on the content, which was really the most important part. So I think there's a place for parents here to really understand what's underlying the skill we're trying to get them to learn so that we can assess when to step in and when not. Does that resonate for you? And do you want to play with that or? Yes, for sure. So I always think about this at times is that what is this desired outcome? 
is the focus going to be on the writing assignment piece? And that's where the focus is. And that's what the outcome that everyone on the team wants. Or is it that, what does this individual know? And how do we express it? How do we express and how do we have, take away some of those barriers, keeping them from getting to the outcome needed? So yeah. there is a difference. So you can, so I always say like an example of what is enabling, an example okay. of supporting. So, and this is kind of one of the best ways I can see it is that, you know, I work with, with adults and they have their own budget and they have to grocery shop every week, but they get a new budget every week. Mm-hmm. Let's say... They go out and they have eaten out four times and they ran out of money before getting to the grocery store. So enabling them would be, I'm going to put some more money in your account right now and taking Mm. away that uncomfortableness of that natural consequence, right? But if you say, hey, let's look and talk about what you have in your pantry right now to make for the next week until it's time to get your stipend again. Mm -hmm. They have learned if I go out to eat and blow all my money in a day and a half, I'm not going to have anything for the things I want at the grocery store. They're not going to starve, but they're going to sit in that uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. So the desired outcome would be improving the, improving budgeting, right? It's not about going grocery shopping. It was the outcome was to learn how to grocery shop. Maybe they would need that money. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to pull it back just a little bit and, and yeah. reframe it because what you're describing is what's the problem I'm really trying to solve. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, you introduced a solution, which might be, what can you cook at home? But the problem that's come up is, Oh, I've run out of money. Right. Mm-hmm. So you want to engage your kiddo in solving that problem, which is okay. So there's lots of options. You theoretically, you could come to me and ask me for more money. I could, you could, make a different plan. You could, you know, all of these different things, but you're focusing on how do I solve the problem that I've run out of money rather than jumping in and solving the problem for them. Mm-hmm. Because you're terrified that they're not going to eat if they don't like, right. And so this becomes the fear is mine, not theirs. Right. And we tend to rescue because of our own fear, not because of what's really real for them. Now they may be, have the fear too, or we, they may have borrowed our fear Right. But if we've decided they're going to starve because they're never going to cook the spaghetti at the pantry and they're net, da, 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 then we're actually not giving them an opportunity, as you say, to be uncomfortable and then to problem solve what is possible for me for the next three days until I get my next stipend. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's, and it's just always looking at what the outcome is. What is the outcome and what is the skill that the team is working on together because it's a full team. When we have complex kids, it's not just child, parent. There's so many people there with you through this journey and you want to work together as a team. And so working on that and deciding what is the outcome or what is the skill that we're working on. And just knowing too, as a parent, when you're looking at, you know, supportive parenting and enabling, you can't work on every skill at the same time. So picking right. you know, that's actually where I wanted to go next, because I think that that's one of the things that we think about, particularly if you've got parent, your parents of young adults, it's this sort of, I want my kid to be independent, right? It's this sort of, there are so many components of that, whether it's managing their budget or getting up on the, on their own or getting the work done or whatever it is, right? It's this sort of, and, 
And it's probably not realistic to tackle all of those things at once. And one of the things that I always say is that if you are working on anything with your child, you're not enabling them. And the example I always give is like, if I'm over here working on figuring out how to put a process in place for remembering your homework, and I hang up their towel every day for a month because I'm over here working on this, I'm not- well, They're over here working on they're this. They're over, well, I'm, I'm over here partnering with them to help them Thank to become you. more independent yeah. on that, right? It's this sort of, this isn't enabling, yes, they could hang up their towel, but I'm choosing to hang up their towel because I want their focus over here. I've, or we've, as, as a team, have decided this is the focus over here. There's so many different pieces and you cannot tackle all of it at once. And it and it's hard. Yeah, yeah. That, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was gonna say, that's, it's such a, yes. And I always talk to parents too, is that your goals need to align with your kids' goals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so working on those goals and a lot of what we do here at CIP is working on goal setting together as a full team. It shouldn't just be CIP making a goal, the individual making their own goals and then their parents making a goal. Like we're all working on something different at that point. But if we can come together and work on we always call them smart goals, <laughs> work on these smart goals together and say like this. For this reporting period, for the next two weeks, these are the goals we're working on. And they're going to be yeah. specific. We're going to be able to say they did or did not meet that. And we're all going to know, like, well, maybe that goal was too lofty. Maybe we need to scale that goal back and break it down even, even into more simple steps for this individual to meet their long-term goal. Well, so one of the things I'm, I'm hearing, and you've said a couple of times, is, is we want to focus on the outcome. And that's true. Mm -hmm. And what I'm also hearing that I think is really important for, for parents to see the distinction is that we get to the outcome by focusing on the process. For sure. The outcome is a result of focusing on the process, whether it's what's the skill you want them to learn or what's the steps along the way or being comfortable with, with natural consequences. All of those are pieces of the process that lead to the outcome. So we want to hold the goal in mind. But as you notice, like in a lot of these examples, you think you're working on one thing and then you think you're working on food and then all of a sudden you're working on budget. So you have to be flexible to be really clear what the real issue is and know that it tweaks a little bit along the way so that the focus is on the process as much as, as getting to that outcome, whatever that is. For sure. It's keeping the, the process is where the growth is. It's not on the yes. outcome. The process is growth. The outcome is the goal. And so, and it's really staying true to knowing that that when you are in that moment and you are working on that outcome, that process is going to take a left turn or right turn. You don't know which way it's going to go and it. You may have the best laid plans ever. Yeah. But it could be completely different than what you, you know, that process and how you're getting there may look completely different than what you planned on. And being flexible as parents, we talk about with complex kids working on flexibility. They need to work on their flexibility. So do we. So do we, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So Missy, we're getting close here. What, how do people, if people want to learn more about CIP, if they want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Mm -hmm. So uh, CIP would be info.cipworldwide.org is our website. And we'll have that in the show notes for everybody. So you don't have to try to capture that. It's all there. 
Yes. And then um, our Instagram is CIP Worldwide as well. Uh, And, you know, really, I just suggest connecting through our website and you you can put in there any comments to leave for me. Absolutely. Excellent. So what what have we missed? What do you what do you want to either wrap us up with or bring in that we haven't talked about yet? Where do we go to close it? So. Really, I just want to kind of wrap up is that as parents, when we're working on parenting our children is checking our own motivation and what is our motivation for setting goals with our kids and making sure our motivation is to support them with their desired outcomes, not necessarily what we see for their lives. Mm. Yeah. And that's hard, it's hard to do sometimes <laughs> because we want for them, we say in, in, in our coaching group, and so Diane and I both lead a number of coaching groups and we have groups for parents of teens and then parents of young adults. And we each have a group for parents of young adults. And one of the themes that comes up in both of those groups all the time is we love them so much. We are, it's hard not to be anxious for them. Mm-hmm. And we we need to focus on wanting for them more than we want from them, right? So when we're setting a goal based on what we think is important, that's really more wanting from them than wanting for them to, to begin to set goals that it's important for them, for themselves. And that's the question a hard We always like game. to ask is whose agenda is it? Right. Yes. And so I think that that's the piece of that I would want to have you, op- you know, opine on is this sort of how do you help a kid to identify what their goal is instead of, telling them what their goal should be. I think it's talking to them. I mean, really that's for me, I've always, I always think that is just talk to them. What is it that they see for themselves? It could be completely different than what you see and, and allowing that space for it and not shutting it down. All right, my friend, thank you. Uh, Wait, one more question. Do you have a favorite quote or motto you want to share with our, with our listeners? I do. My oldest son, I know he's my neurodiverse kiddo. And we were at the dentist one day and they were talking about braces. (laughs) Long story short, he looked over and he just said something that was so poignant. And I always hold on to that. And he just goes, I don't want to change me. I like me for me. And I just think working in this field and having a kid who has some barriers. I keep that in mind is that he loves himself for who he is and everybody around him should too. I love that. That's beautiful. So our guest has been Misty Wagner. She shared with us at the beginning when she was, when CIP asked if she would come on this podcast, she was like, Oh, I know that podcast. (laughs) So you are, you are a guest and a listener. So it's a pleasure to have you. Um, Thank you for being with us and thank you for the work you're doing. Diane, any Anything you want to say to wrap up or? Yeah, no, just to, for those of you who are listening, take a minute as we close and capture for yourself an aha that you had from our conversation with Misty. It, we've been talking some about older kids. If you may have a younger kid, you know, there's a lot in this about helping your younger kids become more independent as well. But capture some thoughts and ideas that you've gotten or maybe even an action item that you want to take out of the conversation today. And as always, remember that here you are listening, tuning in, processing, thinking it through, mulling it over, making a difference. You, my friend, make a difference. So thanks for being here. Stay engaged, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you the next time. Take care, everybody. 
Thanks, Misty. Thank you. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.